The name of this music is Himalayan folk music. Flute, Damfu, and Tungna. Relaxing music on the YouTube channel Apar- Aparmita. A-P-A-R-M-I-T-A. Aparmita. <clears throat> Okay, we will be continuing chapter 10 of the life of Milarepa. Then Rechungpa asked, Where did the Jetson first practice austerities and meditation? Milarepa continued, In the morning, my tutor's son said, Make use of these retreat provisions. And remember us in your spiritual practice. He gave me a sack filled with barley flour and some excellent dried meat, butter, and cheese. I then withdrew to a good cave on a ridge behind my house and stayed there in meditation. As I was sparing with my provisions and water, my body weakened, but my practice improved and I was able to remain there for several months. Then, when my provisions ran out and I had nothing to eat, I felt I could not last any longer. I thought I should beg for meat, butter, and cheese from highland nomads and barley flour from lowland farmers. With continued sustenance, I could go on practicing. I went to beg from the nomads. At the entrance to a tent, I called out, Some alms of meat, butter, and cheese for a yogin, I beg. I had happened upon the tent of my aunt. She recognized me and, in her displeasure, immediately set loose her dog. I defended myself with stones and a staff. Then my aunt seized a tent pole and beat me repeatedly, shouting, Disgrace to your noble father, dishonor to your family, demon who devastated your homeland, why have you come? A son like you born to such a fine father. I turned to flee, but malnourished and weak, I stumbled on a rock and fell into a pool of water. I nearly died while my aunt continued to rage. I got up as best as I could and, leaning on my staff, sang this song to my aunt. I bow at the feet of the kind father Marpa in the region of Koron in Ungansa. Mother and children were tormented by kin And we three were scattered like beans with a stick. No, aunt and uncle, it was you who scattered us. A beggar, I wandered the ends of the earth while by torment and poverty's blade my poor mother died. My sister went off to to beg clothing and food. With undying love for my mother and sister, Once more I returned to my homeland, a prison. 
I saw then the mother I loved gone forever, my sister in misery roaming around everywhere. A sorrowful anguish rose up inside me. You relatives plotted and planned, did you not? The suffering of mother and children, us three. And yet this intolerable torment and suffering has prompted the practice of authentic Dharma. While high in the mountains with no one to lean on, practicing oral instructions of Marpa, the kind. With nothing to eat for this heap of illusory body, thus did I come around begging for alms. Like a dying bug drawn to the hole of an anthill, just so I arrived at the step of my aunt. She set loose a ferocious dog as an envoy. With a weakened body, I fended him off. Your insults and curses, abusive words, filled me with grief like a spike in my heart. Using a pole from the tent as a weapon, you battered my body in torment and pain and almost deprived me of my precious life. Although I have reason to be filled with anger, instead I will obey my Lama's command. Oh, aunt, without letting your anger run wild, give me provisions to use in retreat. Sovereign of love and compassion, Lord Marpa, bless your subject to assuage his anger. I sang this song in a voice choked with tears. A girl who was standing behind my aunt broke into long sobs, and even my aunt felt ashamed. They both went inside, and the girl returned carrying a ball of butter and a half brick of compacted sweet cake that had spoiled. <laughs> I begged at the other tents where I did not know anyone, but once they realized it was me, the occupants each stared intently and gave liberal alms. I left carrying their offerings with me. I knew from my aunt's reaction what my uncle would do, so I thought I must avoid him. But while begging alms from the farmers in the upper valley of Sa, I arrived at the door of his newly relocated house. He recognized me and said, Though I am old like a corpse, you are just who I wanted to see. He flung a deadly stone nearly hitting me. Then I too recognized him and turned to escape. But he mustered his strength and threw all the stones within reach. As I fled, he came out carrying a bow and arrows, shouting, Traitor! Disgrace! Didn't you destroy this land? Countrymen! We have our enemy in our hands. Come out quickly. With this, he began, showing, he began shooting arrows at me and taking his lead. Young men from the region threw stones. I was afraid that my remorse for having once cast black magic would not placate them. So I decided to threaten them with magic. Father Kagyulamas, I called out. Ocean of oath-bound blood drinkers. This yogin, a dharma practitioner, is beset by enemies. Come to my rescue. Though I may die, my dharma protectors are immortal. Terrified, they all seized my uncle. 
Those who sympathized with me intervened on my behalf, and those who had thrown stones begged forgiveness. My uncle refused to give me anything, but the other countrymen each handled out, handed out liberal alms, which I carried off. Thinking I would provoke their anger, if I stayed in the region, I decided to leave. But that night I had a dream indicating that it would be good to stay a few days in my former location. <laughs> As I had lingered a few days, Zeze learned of my presence and came to see me carrying some excellent food and beer. She embraced me and then sat there sobbing. She explained how my mother had died and my sister had gone wandering, which filled me with great sadness. Then I too shed many tears. Why haven't you married after all this time? I asked her. She replied, people were afraid of your Dharma protectors and no one came forward to say he would have me. Even if someone had, I wouldn't have gone. That you practice Dharma is most amazing. Now, what will you do with your house and fields? Understanding her intentions, I thought, through the kindness of Marpa, the translator, I did not get mired in married life. From the point of view of Dharma, it's enough to offer good prayers, but from a worldly point of view, I should say something to put her mind at ease. I said, if you see my sister, give them to her. In the meantime, use the fields yourself. If you find out for sure that my sister is dead, you may take both house and fields. You don't need them for yourself, she asked. I practice austerities and seek food as do birds and mice, so I have no need for fields. I dwell in caves in uninhabited places, so I have no need for a house. Even if I were a master of the entire world, I would still need to leave them aside at the time of death. So if I renounce these things now, I shall find happiness in this and all future lives. Doing so, my conduct is contrary to that of all other men. So you can say, I am no longer a man. So is your conduct also contrary to all those who practice Dharma? She asked. So is your conduct, all, so is your conduct all, also contrary to all those who practice Dharma? She asked. There are those who once fell prey to worldly pride and then, having learned to preach on a few religious books, took pleasure in their own gains and in the defeat of others. Such people call themselves Dharma practitioners and wear golden robes, all the while seeking as much wealth and fame as possible. I turn my back on all such people and always will, but there are other Dharma practitioners whose intentions and actions are not like that. Even though they appear in the garb of their own tradition, I don't view their actions as being contrary to mine since we agree in our fundamental aims. But if they do not agree with my fundamental aims, 
then they are opposed to my practice. Never before have I seen a Dharma practitioner like you, dressed more miserably than a beggar. What kind of religious tradition requires dress like this? It is the garb of the best of all religious traditions, the tradition called casting the eight worldly concerns to the wind in order to attain Buddhahood in this life. She replied, As you say, your practice and manner of dress and theirs are exactly the opposite. It seems one of them is not the Dharma. Were they equally Dharma, I would still prefer theirs. I don't like the kind of Dharma practitioners you worldly people favor. It seems that even those practitioners who wear saffron robes, while in agreement with my fundamental aims, still retain a slightly a slight affinity for the eight worldly concerns. Even if they do not, there is still an unimaginable difference in the speed at which we can each attain Buddhahood. This is what you don't understand. Therefore, practice the Dharma if you can. If you can't, then take the house and fields as I have already said and be off. I want neither your house nor your fields, she replied. Give them to your sister. I shall practice Dharma, but I cannot follow a path like yours. And with this, she departed. My aunt then learned that I had no interest in, in either the house or the fields. Several days passed and she thought, since he says he is following the instructions of his Lama, I shall see if I can acquire the fields for myself. She visited me carrying beer, meat, butter, and other foods and said, the other day I behaved foolishly, but you, my nephew, are a Dharma practitioner, so you should forgive me. Now your aunt will sow your fields and bring you provisions. <clears throat> Very well, I replied. In that case, my aunt sow the fields and bring one load of barley flour each month. Keep the rest for yourself. I will do that, she said. For some two months, she brought barley flour as agreed. Then one day my aunt appeared and said, people say that if I plow the fields, my nephew will cast magic with his Dharma protectors.
But you won't really cast magic, will you? Why would I cast magic? Since it will be virtuous work, sow the fields and bring me provisions. Well then, if it makes no difference to you, it would ease my mind if you'd swear an oath. I didn't know what she intended with this, but I thought that making people happy is dharma, so I swore an oath. This pleased her, and she returned home. I then, perse- I then persevered in meditation, but was unable to achieve the slightest quality of bliss warmth. One night, while I was wondering what to do next, I had the following dream. I was plowing an uncultivated field, but the earth was hard, and I could not furrow through it. I wondered if I should give up. Just then, Jetson Marpa appeared in the sky and said, Son, plow with diligence and perseverance. Though the earth is hard and uncultivated, you shall furrow through it. Thus Marpa guided me and I plowed the field, creating deep furrows. Excellent crops then sprang up. I awoke, filled with joy, but thought. If even fools don't cling to dreams, which are the mistaken projections of mental imprints, then I am even more foolish than fools themselves. Nevertheless, I took this as a sign that good qualities would emerge if I persevered in meditation. Pleased, I sang this song explaining the meaning of my dream. (laughs) To the Lord Most Kind, I address my prayer. Bless this beggar to stay in mountain retreat. Upon the ground, the field of equanimity, I mix in water and manure of stable faith in the path. I sow the seeds of pure, untainted mind. The thunder of my supplications claps, and an effortless rain of blessings descends. Upon the oxen of mind, free from doubt, I fix the yoke of method and wisdom's plow. A farmhand lacking confused and muddled thoughts. I firmly grasp the plow arm undistracted. With the whip of diligent exertion, I till the hardened soil of five poisonous afflictions. I clear away stones of unwholesome character and pull up weeds without pretense.
From ripened ears, the truth of actions and results, I reap the harvest, a superb life of liberation. With the fruit of excellent oral instructions, I fill the granary lacking conceptual focus. Roasted and ground, such sublime food of Dakinis is nourishment for this yogin's practice. This is an explanation of my dream's meaning. The deepest meaning will not surface in words, nor realization through mere illustration. Hereafter, those who practice for enlightenment, I urge you to meditate with perseverance. Arousing fortitude and perseverance. If you practice hardship, you'll also gain the rare. May those who practice Dharma and seek enlightenment have no obstacles in their practice of the path. <laughs> After I said this, I resolved to go meditate at Trakar Tazo. Around that time, my aunt appeared, bringing with her three loads of barley flour, a ragged blanket, a garment of fine cloth, and some meat mixed with butter and fat. She said, These are the payment for your field, nephew. Please take them and go off somewhere. I will neither see nor hear you. All of the villagers are saying to me, After the harm Topaga inflicted in the past, you are now having dealings with him? We should kill you both before he murders the rest of our countrymen. That is why, my nephew, you would do well to flee to another region. In any case, there is no reason to kill me if you do not go. But understand that they will no, no doubt kill you. I knew very well that the people of the region had not said any such thing. What if I do not act in accordance with the Dharma? I thought. Generally speaking, I have not forsworn casting magic upon those who would steal my fields. And in particular, the oath of a yogin is like a dream, an illusion. So there is nothing to stop me from casting hailstorms as soon as you turn your back. But such things I shall not do. For whom would I cultivate patience if there was no one to make me angry? Were I to die this very night, what would I do with my fields and these things? It is taught that patience is the best means for attaining Buddhahood. Uh, my aunt is the support for cultivating such patience. And it is thanks to my uncle and aunt that I have met with authentic Dharma. In order to repay their great kindness, I shall pray that they one day attain Buddhahood. For this life, it is fitting to give them 
not only my fields, but also my house. I explained this to my aunt and told her, as I have no need for anything but the Lama's oral instructions in order to achieve enlightenment, <laughs> my aunt, take not only my fields, but my house as well. Then I sang this song. With the Lord Lama's kindness, I wander in mountain retreats. <laughs> oh... You know this beggar's happiness and pain. The world of life's round wears you down through karma. <laughs> with the Lord with the Lord Lama's kindness I wander in mountain retreats you know this beggar's happiness and pain the world of life's round wears you down through karma touch it and you'll sever liberation's artery karma of evil deeds is the harvest of human beings Engage in it and you'll feel the misery of lower realms. Fondness for loved ones is a demon stronghold. Build it and you and you'll be sucked into a pit of flames. Build it and you'll be sucked into a pit of flames. Your hoard of food and wealth, the chattels of men. Whatever you own is your enemy's supply. The tea and beer of wanting happiness is deadly poison. Drink it and you'll sever liberation's artery. <clears throat> Aunt, your counsel is filled with spiteful words. Speak it and it will ruin both self and others. Aunt, payment for my field is the stuff of avarice. Take it and I'll be born a hungry ghost. My field, my house, everything. Take them, aunt, and may happiness you find. Human slander I purify with the Dharma. Divine fame I gain with sincere practice. Demon talk I trample with compassion. 
Malicious talk I scatter to the wind. My talk looks ever upward. Lord most kind, Akshobya in essence. Bless this beggar to stay in mountain retreat. After I sang this song, my aunt replied, A truly great Dharma practitioner should act like you, my nephew. How wonderful! And she departed filled with joy. Moved by these circumstances, I was overcome by a terrible sadness, but I also felt relieved to have disposed of my house and fields, so I resolved to go meditate at Drakkar Tazo, as I had previously vowed. As my practice of meditative equipoise had taken a firm foothold in that cave, I called it Kangsukpuk, Firm Foothold Cave. In the morning, I took the payment for my fields and whatever other small items I had, and, without anyone knowing, I left for Drakkar Tazo. There was a most pleasant cave at Tazo, and that's where I stayed. I made it my abode, laying out a small, hard meditation mat, and then I vowed not to go down to the village. Until I have gained extraordinary experience and realization, I shall not descend from this mountain retreat to eat the crumbled remains of food from funeral offerings, even if I die of starvation. I shall not descend for clothing, even if I die of exposure. I shall not engage in frivolous entertainment or distractions, even if I die of sadness. I shall not descend for a single dose of medicine, even if I die of sickness." Without moving my body in the slightest way towards affair, toward affairs of this life, I shall achieve Buddhahood with my three gates undistracted. May the lamas and chosen deities bless me to fulfill these vows. May the dakinis and dharma protectors carry out enlightened activity. Since death is preferable to having a human body that does not practice, should I act against these vows? May the ocean of oath-bound protectors cut short my life immediately upon any transgression, and may the lamas and chosen deities bless me to encounter the authentic dharma in the next life and take rebirth in a human body capable of practice. Having taken these vows, I then sang a song of oath-binding prayers. Lord Naro's lineage, son, path to liberation, Bless this beggar to stay in mountain retreat without diversion by the demons of worldly distraction. May concentration of meditative equipoise increase. Without clinging to the pool of serenity, may the, pl- may the flower of insight blossom. Without the weeds of elaboration shooting up, may the petals of non-contrivance spread open. Without feeling hesitation in my retreat hut, May the fruit of experience and realization ripen. Without the power of demons to cause obstructions, may true conviction arise in my mind. Without doubts appearing on the path of means, may the son follow the father's footsteps. 
Lord Akshobia, in essence, compassionate one, bless this beggar to stay in mountain retreat. With this prayer, I then meditated, sustaining myself on a thin gruel made from whatever scant barley flour I had. In this way, I attained some confidence about the great seal in my mind, but my physical strength weakened and... Unable to control the subtle winds, I did not experience bliss warmth in my body. I thus became intensely cold. I prayed to the Lama one-pointedly, and one night I experienced a state of luminosity. While in that state, I perceived that a, that a host of women appeared, appeared saying Lama Marpa had sent them. They performed an excellent ritual feast and said, If Milarepa has not given rise to bliss warmth, Marpa instructs that he exert his three gates in the following way, and they demonstrated a series of yogic exercises. Accordingly, I sought physical well-being through the key point of an erect, squatting posture, binding of the six hearths. I sought verbal control, through the key point of controlling the life force winds, binding of a plated knot. I sought mental relaxation through the key point of self-liberation, binding of a, of a coiled snake. Meditating in this way, a most wonderful bliss warmth spread through me. When a year had passed, I felt a desire to go refresh myself. As I prepared to leave, I suddenly remembered my earlier vows, and I sang this song of scolding myself. Lord Vajradhara with Marpa's form, bless this beggar to stay in mountain retreat. You there, amazing one, Milarepa, a song of self-counsel to help yourself. You are separated from friends who converse with you kindly. The valley where you seek entertainment is empty. The region where you hope to find solace is barren. Do not daydream, do not daydream. Rest mind in its place. Daydream and you think of all sorts of non-virtue. Don't waver, don't waver. Maintain stable mindfulness. Re waver and virtuous practices tossed to the wind. Don't go, don't go. Remain in your seat. Go off and your stride will be tripped up on stones. Don't slacken, don't slacken. Keep your head bowed. Relax and it all becomes futile and meaningless. Don't sleep, don't sleep. Practice virtuous conduct. Sleep and afflictions. Five poisons oppress you. After scolding myself in this way, I meditated day and night, and my spiritual practice thus increased. Three years passed in this way. I had a plan to eat one load of barley flour each year, but once that was used up, I knew my life would be in danger if I had nothing else to survive on. I thought, worldly men find one or two tenths of an ounce of gold and they rejoice, and when they lose it, they despair. But that can't be compared to dying without attaining Buddhahood. A body used to achieve Buddhahood is more valuable than even the whole third order thousand fold, the, 
the whole third order thousandfold universe filled with gold. It is better to die while continuing to practice than to break my earlier vow. What should I do now? I decided I would not go down to the village, but that I should search for some food to sustain my practice of austerities. Since it would be for, for the sake of Dharma, this would not break my vows. Stepping out in front of Drakkar, I found a delightful spot with a commanding view where there was warm sun, excellent water, and many nettles growing. I moved over to it and stayed there living on nothing but nettles as I practiced. I had no clothes on my outside and nothing nutritious to sustain me inside. My body thus became like a skeleton and turned the color of nettles covered with soft green hair. During this time, I wanted to clutch the text the Lama gave me and I placed it upon my head. When I did, my stomach felt pleasantly full, even though I had nothing whatsoever to eat, and I even belched. I was tempted to break the seal on the scroll and read it, but I received a sign that it was not yet the proper time, so I set it aside. About a year had passed when several hunters from the market of, of Kirong appeared at my dwelling, having failed to kill any game. At first they cried, It's a ghost! and fled. I assured them I was a man and a practitioner. It doesn't seem like he is, and let's see, they said. The hunters returned and scoured the interior of my cave. Where are your retreat provisions? They demanded menacingly. Give us some now and later we will return it in kind. If you don't, we'll kill you. I have nothing but nettles, I, I replied. Lift this hermit up and see if he has anything. I have no fear of being robbed. We will not rob you. What will we gain by lifting up the hermit? You will acquire merit, I said. In that case, they said, lift him up. They grabbed my waist and let me fall to the floor again and again. Even as, as my body, accustomed to ascetic practice, was filled with pain, I felt fierce, unbearable compassion and, whelp, and, and, and wept. One of the hunters who had stood by without causing harm said, Hey, you all, he seems to be a genuine religious follower. And even if he's not, you don't become a man by mistreating such a bag of bones like that. He has not forced us to be hungry. Don't do that. Then to me he said, Wondrous Yogin, since I did not disturb you, place me under the protection of your meditation practice. The other said, and those of us who did lift you up, place us under your protection too. One of the hunters added, Sure, but he'll find a different way of protecting you. They burst out laughing and went away. I didn't think of using magic, but they eventually received the deity's retribution. It is said that the governor received the deity's... That the, it is said that the governor punished the hunters. The leader was executed and all the others, 
except for the individual who told them not to harm me, had their eyes. Uh, the leader was executed and all the others, except for the individual who told them not to harm me, had their eyes put out. After a year or so had passed, my clothes were all worn out. I thought about sewing together the ragged blanket, now in tatters. My aunt had given me as payment for my fields, the empty flour sacks and the remnants of my clothing to make a coverlet for my cushion. But then I thought, were I to die tonight, sewing this would be pointless. It would be better to meditate. So I gave up the idea. Instead, I spread the blanket over the cushion and used it to wrap the lower part of my body. I dressed my upper body with each of the empty flower sacks. In this way, I used this, these materials to cover the parts of my body that needed it most. When they could no longer protect me, I thought my renunciation had gone too far and that I should sew them together. But I could find neither needle nor thread, so I knotted together the three ragged sacks, one each for the upper, middle, and lower parts of my body, all of which I fastened with a jute rope around my waist. I did, buy, I did my best wearing this by day. At night I covered the cushion with the ragged blanket and tatters of cloth and continued as best as I could. In this way, I passed another year or so meditating. One day there arose a clamor of, my, of many voices. Looking out, I saw that several hunters carrying a good deal of meat had appeared at the entrance of my cave. Upon seeing me, those in front cried, It's a ghost! and fled. Those farther back said, you needn't worry about ghosts appearing in the daylight. Take a good look. Is it still there? It's still there, called the others. Some old hunters came forward from the rear, and they too became frightened. I told them my story in detail, explaining that I was not a ghost, but rather was a hermit practicing med meditation practicing meditation in the mountains and that my body had become like this due to lack of sustenance. We shall see if it's true or not, they said. Entering the cave, they found nothing but all, they, they found nothing at all but nettles. They were filled with faith and offered me a good quantity of meat and a portion of their barley flour. This sort of activity is truly amazing, they said. Please guide the animals we have killed to a higher rebirth and purify the sinful deeds we have committed. Then they paid their respects and left. Filled with joy, I thought, now I have food to eat like a human. I ate some of the cooked meat and my body became comfortable. My constitution clear and my awareness heightened. Thus, my spiritual practice was strengthened and a profound experience of bliss emptiness arose as never before. I understood that the food and drink offered while practicing austerities in mountain retreat brings far greater merit 
than a hundred offerings made to those who carelessly pursue pleasures in the village below. I ate the meat sparingly until finally it was full of maggots. I considered picking away the maggots and then eating it, but then thought, I have neither the merit nor the right to do so. I shall not steal the maggots' share of food. I let them eat the meat and returned to my ascetic diet of nettles. One night a man came looking for any food or belongings I might have. He scoured the entire cave, but I burst out laughing and said, See if you can find something at night in this place where I can find nothing by day. He laughed too and then went away. About another year had passed when several hunters from Tsa who had failed to catch any game appeared. I was clothed in the three cloth sacks tied with a jute rope and resting in meditative equipoise. They prodded me with the ends of their bows and said, Is this a man or a ghost? Judging by its looks and its garb, it is probably a ghost. I opened my mouth and said, I am most definitely a man. Recognizing the gap in my teeth, they asked, Are you Topaga? I am, I replied. In what case, in that case, we request some food for now, which we will not fail to repay later. It was said that you once returned to the village, but that was many years ago. Have you been living here all the while since then? I have indeed, I replied, but I have nothing agreeable for you to eat. We will take whatever you eat. That will be enough for us. Very well then, build a fire and cook some nettles. When they had built a fire and cooked some nettles, they said, now we, said, now we need some meat or fat to season it. If I had meat or fat, my food would not have lacked nourishment. But I have not had any for years. For seasoning, use nettles. In that case, we need some barley flour, they said. I replied, if I had flour, my food would not have lacked sustenance. But I have not had any for years. For flour, too, use nettles. Well then, they added, we cannot do without salt. I replied, if I had salt, my food would not have lacked flavor, but I have not had any for years. For salt, use nettles. They said, definitely with your food and clothing, you will never improve your appearance or regain your strength. This is not becoming of a man. Even a servant has a full belly and warm clothing. There is no one in the world more miserable or pitiful than you. You shouldn't say such things, I replied. I am the most formidable of men to have obtained a human body. I have encountered the likes of Lodrak Marpa Lotsawa. I have received the oral instructions for attaining Buddhahood in one life and one body. Having renounced this life, I am meditating alone in the mountains and devoting myself to achieving this enduring aim. I have sacrificed food, clothing, and conversation, and in this life I shall defeat my enemies, the mental afflictions. 
For this reason, there is no one in the world more courageous or high-minded than me. On the other hand, although you have been born in a land where the Buddha's teachings have spread, you have no inclination, you have no inclination even to listen to Dharma, let alone practice meditation. There is no form of ruinous behavior graver than piling up sinful deeds by the handful and the and the sack load. This is the way to to land in the deepest and most enduring hell. In the end, I will certainly gain happiness and ease. But even right now, this is the sort of happiness I am assured. So listen to my song. Then I sang this song of the of the five happinesses. And it looks like I'm going to have to change this uh, music. It's almost over. Let's see. <clears throat> I only have 10 minutes left. This is a long chapter. Okay. This is called three uh, three hours long Nepali folk three hours long Nepali folk instrument uh, three hours long Nepali folk instrumental music Nepali instrumental music Nepali folk music on the YouTube channel called Nepali folk dun and health tips. Then I sang this song of the five happinesses. I bow at the feet of Lord Marpa Most Kind. Bless me to give up concerns for this life. In Drakkar Taso Uma Zong, at the summit of Uma Zong Fortress, I, the Tibetan cotton-clad yogin, sacrificed clothing and food of this life, and then worked to become a perfected Buddha. A small rigid cushion beneath me, happiness. A soft cotton robe around me, happiness. A meditation belt wrapped around me, happiness. Ill illusory body neither hungry nor full, happiness. Mind that gives up examination, happiness. I am not unhappy, happy is what I am. If I seem happy, so happy. Do all I have done, if you don't. Have the fortune to practice the Dharma, spare me your mistaken pity. The one who accomplishes lasting contentment for myself and all sentient beings. The sun's rays have set on the mountain pass. You should return to your homes. Life is short and death strikes without warning. While I work to become a perfected Buddha, I have no time to waste on such meaningless talk. Therefore, in evenness, now I rest. The hunters replied, You have said many fine things about happiness, and you certainly have a pleasing voice, but we cannot act in this manner of yours. With this, they went away. Each year in Kyangatsa, uh, a great festival was held for casting figurines. On this occasion, the hunters, in a single voice, sang the song of the five happinesses. My sister Peta 
was begging at the festival and heard them. Whoever spoke those words is a Buddha, she cried. One of the hunters said, Ha ha, she is praising her own brother. Another added, Whether he is a Buddha or an ordinary man, this is the song of your brother who is starving to death. Betta replied, My father and mother died long ago. Our relatives rose up against us as enemies. My brother has wandered to the ends of the earth, and I am a beggar who will never see him again. I have no reason to be cheerful. She began to weep, and Zeze came up to her, saying, Don't cry. It probably is your brother. I met him some time ago. Go to Tricartazo and see if he's there. If he is, then we shall both go and meet to meet him. She thought this was true. So she went to Tricartazo carrying a, a vessel of beer that she had begged and a, a small container of barley porridge. Then she peered in from the cave entrance. My body was wasted by ascetic practices. My eyes were sunken into their sockets. All my bones stuck out. I was emaciated with a green complexion. Fine bristling greenish hair grew on the skin hanging from my flesh and bones. The hair on my head grew in shocks and frightful disarray. My limbs were about to break. When my sister saw this, she was terrified, thinking I was a ghost at first. But the words she had heard that her but the words she had heard that her brother was starving to death made her hesitate. <coughs> Are you a man or a ghost? she asked. I am Mila Topaga, I replied. Recognizing my voice, she came in and embraced me, <clears throat> crying, Brother, brother! In such a state, she fainted and lay unconscious for a while. I too recognized that she was Peta and felt both happy and sad. I did my best to revive her and after a moment she regained consciousness. She placed her head between my knees, covering her face with her hands, choking with tears. She said, Our mother died in misery while longing to see you, brother. No one around us came to help, and unable to bear such intense grief in our house, I went to beg in other regions. I wondered if you were dead, my brother, or if you were not dead, if you had found a measure of happiness greater than this. But such is my brother's fate, and this is what I, your sister, have become. No one on earth is more miserable than us, brother and sister. Then she called out the names of our parents and sat there sobbing. I repeatedly tried to console her to no avail. So, overcome with sadness, I sang this song to my sister. I pay homage to the Lord Lamas. Bless this beggar to stay in mountain retreat. Dear sister, a being tormented inside my by life's round. In general, all pleasure and pain are ephemeral. 
But since you are feeling such pain in this way, be certain that lasting contentment exists. Listen, therefore, to your own brother's song. To repay the kindness of beings, my parents, thus do I practice the Dharma. Look at my home like an animal's den. Were another to use it, he'd be stricken with grief. Look at my food. <laughs> Look at my home like an animal's den. Were another to see it, he'd be stricken with grief. Look at my food like an animal's father, like an animal's fodder. Were another to see it, he'd feel sick to my stomach. Look at my body like a skeletal frame. Were an enemy to see it, even he would shed tears. Look at my conduct like a like that of a madman. My sister is filled with embarrassment. Embarrassment. Look at my mind, an actual Buddha. Were the victors to see it, they'd be filled with the with delight. Were the victors to see it, they'd be filled with delight. Steadfast I kept until flesh and bone numbed, set on the cold stone seat beneath me. My body is just like a nettle all through, turned green and I will never go back. In a rock cave with no one around, there is no time to cure melancholy. I am never bereft. Of my heartfelt longing for my Lama, the Buddhas of the three times. The force of such perseverance and meditation will no doubt bring experience and realization. When experience and realization are born, happiness is gained on the way in this life and perfect, complete Buddhahood in the next. Therefore, Petta, my sister dear, without further misery and despair, push on for the sake of the Dharma. And the rest I'll have to read in the next episode. Thank you for listening.